Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, Shabbat Shalom. It's good to be here this morning, and thank you, Rabbi David, and uh, elders for allowing me to speak today. Um, The message that I have today, I entitled it, Whom God Calls, He Equips. I could have also named this or called this message overcoming fears through his strength, through his great strength and guidance. Both would be appropriate. But since whom God calls, he equips with a shorter version. I use that. So. It's, it's interesting that when we look at scriptures, we see how God calls men or women to go out in their own strength, but by his guidance to accomplish things that to the average person appears absolutely impossible. But we know for, well, one thing for uh, without any doubt is that nothing is impossible with God. And so that leads us to today's story. Now, today's story, slide one, please, is this guy. (laughs) And I'm sure everybody here recognizes him. That's Gideon. It looks like Gideon. You know, I knew him, you know, back in the ancient days. (laughs) Okay. What was that? Oh, uh, somebody wants to crack on me. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. I will call you out later. Uh, (laughs) uh, But today's story is is dealing with Judges chapter 6. And before we get into Gideon's story, we need to get our place in context, if you will. So let me put things in context. In uh, Judges 6, verses 1 to 10, it says, When the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. And I want you to remember that, that they made dens, caves, and strongholds in the mountains. And so it was. Whenever Israel had sown their seeds, the Mennonites would come up, also the Amalekites, and also the people of the east, that would be the Arabians. They would come up against them. They would encamp against them, and they would destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, literally saying from border to border, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, ox, or donkey. 
where they came up with their livestock, their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels, they were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you out of Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hands of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. Also, I say to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Slide two, please. When you read the book of Judges, you learn very quickly that this is the cycle of sin that the Israelites fall into. So they go from the top there, Israel serves God, Israel falls into sin and idolatry, Israel is enslaved, Israel cries out to the Lord, God raises up a judge, God delivers, Israel serves the Lord. And I don't know, I think for most of the Old Testament, we're in that cycle. It's not just judges, but it's a little bit different, but not much from that. So now let's move on and let's look at the slide number three, please. And I want us to look at these verses very closely, if you will, concerning Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree, which was in Ophrah. It belonged to Joash, the Abizirite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto them, he says, Oh, my, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Now, I want us to pause here. There's, there's more to conversation that goes on, but this is a good place to stop for a number of reasons. I want you to notice that Gideon was threshing wheat. That's a clue that it's harvest time. Number two, Gideon is hiding from the Midianites. Number three, apparently Gideon is very familiar with the hand of God and the miracles of God because he tells God, where are you when we need you? But Gideon does not understand why Israel is under the oppression that they're currently in. But then the Lord uses a very interesting term when he speaks to Gideon. He calls him a man of valor. Now, being ex-military, 
when I hear valor, it speaks to me very deeply. And even with King David, King David was surrounded by men that were called men of valor. What does valor mean? Valor is a person that is beside, let's say, King David, the king. He is devoted, absolutely committed to the service of the king, whatever the cost. Men of valor will accomplish it. They are committed beyond any measure. And it's interesting that the Lord here is calling Gideon a man of valor, a man who's hiding from the Midianites in a wine press. So it's apparent to some degree that Gideon has an issue. And the issue is fear. He's definitely demonstrating to some degree a fear of man. And I want us to continue to look at how God uses Gideon or assists Gideon, strengthens Gideon to overcome his fear. So let's move on. In verse 14, we read, And then the Lord turned to him, and he said, Go in this might of yours, and you will save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the weakest in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Wow. If you had any sense of fear and anxiety, this would really rock your boat. Just think about that. There are approximately 140,000 Midianites that have been coming into the Valley of Jezreel every year. And the Lord just told you, you will defeat the Midianites as one man. But I'll be with you. Wow. Also, isn't it kind of ironic that whenever God is present and is calling a person individually, meeting a person face to face, and when God says, I'm calling you to do my service, isn't it ironic that the first thing that comes out of the mouth is, well, you know, um, I don't think I can do this. Um, you, you know, my clan is not the biggest clan. and I'm the least in my father's house, and I don't think I can do this. Even Moses says, I can't do this, I can't speak. But you know when God calls, God strengthens, God shores up. And it's like... God is committed to his cause, that his will be done through you. I don't think you can run from that. Then Gideon says to the Lord, he says, now, if I found favor in your sight, show me a sign. Give me a sign. 
So Gideon goes home and prepares a goat, unleavened bread. He puts the meat in a basket. He puts the broth in the pot. He brought them back to the Lord under the oak tree. He presented it to him. And the angel of the Lord said to him, he says, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place it here on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put, put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and he touched the unleavened bread and fire rose up out of the rock and consumed the meat and consumed the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of sight. Slide four, please. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And alas, O Lord, where I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Is there to this day in Ophir. Now, what's happened here? This is the beginning of a transformation. It's transforming a fear of man, a fear that's inward looking, a fear that it lacks self confidence. God is transforming that fear to a fear that expresses. Outward expression of absolute righteous fear and awe of the Lord. Gideon realizes, perhaps for the first time, that there is a God in heaven that sees and hears the cries of his people. Slide number five. Now it comes to pass that on that very same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, a second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image or the Azeroth poles that are beside it. And build an altar there to the Lord your God on top of this rock in a proper arrangement. And take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood from the Azeroth pole that you have cut down. So Gideon took 10 men with him among his servants and did as the Lord had said. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, he did it by night. Now, Gideon may have been timid. He may have been uncertain. He may have been worried. He may have been fearful of others. But Gideon accomplished the most important thing. Believing God, Gideon moved forward. Whether by day or night, it didn't make any difference. In spite of his fears, Gideon moved according to the word of God. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning... There was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image of Asheroth was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. And so they said to one another, who's done this thing? 
And when they had inquired, they said, oh, it was Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. So the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image of Azeroth that was beside it. Slide number six, please. But Joash, the father of Gideon, said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Are you going to save him? Let the one who pleads for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself. Let him defend for himself. Because it was his altar that was torn down. Now, from this reaction, we can see that Joash's reaction and through the acts of Gideon, I do not believe that we can say that Joash or Gideon participated in the actual worship of Baal or Azeroth. But Joash is the head of this clan. And apparently, or as I speculated, allowed the idols, these idols to remain in an effort to appease the people of the town, which were probably pagan. And his household probably had pagan uh, men and women as part of his household as well. But being passive or ignoring the will or the command of God does not make it right. The idol had to be come down. The idol had to come down. Then all the Midianites, this is Judges 6, 33 through 35, which is in my notes and not yours. Then all the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east, or the Arabs, crossed over to Jordan and entered into the valley of Jezreel. But then the Holy Spirit of God came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. And the Abizarites, which are uh, Manassian cousins, gathered behind him. And he sent messengers messengers throughout Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zubalan, Naphtali, and they came up to meet with them. Let's take a look at uh, slide seven, the map. This is kind of hazy, but when you see Ophir, that's where Gideon is at. He's like on a mountain ridge. And just north of that is the Valley of Jezreel. Right below the word name, um, Ophir is Manassian. You see above to the north, you see where Zubalan is, Asher, and so forth. So basically, right around his area on both sides of the Valley of Jezreel, is where he sent messengers, and they all came down to meet up with him. And it is interesting that it was the Holy Spirit of God that inspired him to blow the shofar, to blow the trumpet. 
and immediately his uh, his immediate kinsmen came down, and then later others joined. Now this is significant. Gideon's is beginning to feel what leadership is all about. His brothers have come down from the mountains, if you will, and joined him. You notice it says that they stood behind him. They're looking to him for leadership. For someone who is fearful, this gets you very anxious real quick. So now he has his people with him. I'm in leadership. I'm going to be leading these people to war. They're going to be depending on my direction. So what does Gideon do next? So Gideon says to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, now look, I'm putting out the fleece. I'm going to put out a fleece. Tonight, I'm going to put the fleece out, Lord, and I pray, don't be angry with me, but I'm putting out the fleece, and in the morning, Lord, I pray that if it's your will that I do this thing, and I know that you're with me, show me this sign. I'm putting out the fleece. Let the fleece be wet. Let the ground be dry in the morning. And so it is. And the next day, he says, Lord, don't be mad at me, please, but I, I, I just need to be affirmed one more time. Let me put the fleece out tonight, Lord, but this time let the fleece be absolutely dry and let the ground be wet. And the next morning, it is. What's being accomplished in this? Number one, God is affirming to Gideon that he heard his prayer. God is affirming to Gideon that he answered his prayer. God is affirming to Gideon that though he's not seen, he's present. All of these strengthen, builds up confidence that you're not in this alone. God is with you. Now, when Gideon... And all the people who were with him rose up early in the morning beside the well of Harad so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with you are too many for me to give you the Midianites, to put the Midianites in your hands. Least Israel will vault itself up against me, says the Lord. And they will say, my own hand has delivered us. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let them turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and only 10,000 remained. The Lord says, let them leave at once and go home from Mount Gilead. And only 10,000 remained. And I want you to remember that, that the Lord says, leave at once. This is important. 
Now, therefore, okay, I'm sorry. In verse 4, it says, but the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are still too many. So bring, he brought them down to the water, and I will test them there. And then it will be that whom I say to you, this one will go with you. The same shall go with you. And whoever I say this one will not go with you, the same will not go with you. So he brought them down to the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone who laughs water, laps from the water with his tongue as a dog you shall set apart. Likewise, everyone who kneels down on his knees to drink, you set them aside. And then the Lord said to Gideon, by these 300 men who left, uh, left, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go home, every man to his place. So I want you to just picture this for just a second. There were 32,000 men that started out. God is now down to 300. And then God says, that's a good number. We can do this thing now because there's no way. There's no way that anybody could ever claim that 300 men whipped 140,000 Midianites in the Valley of Jezreel. It's not by your power, not by your strength. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this next verse is very interesting. So it happened that same night, as he had the 300, that the Lord spoke to Gideon and says, Arise, go, attack. I have delivered them into your hand. And then the very next verse, he says, but if you're still afraid, go down to camp with your servant, Purah, and you will hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. So Gideon went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were at the camp. Now, the Mennonites and the Amalekites and all the people east were lying in the valley. They were numerous locusts, and the camels were without number as the sand of the seashore. And when Gideon had come down, there was a man that was telling a dream to his companion, and he says, you know what? I had a dream, and to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and it struck it, and it fell, and it overturned, and the tent collapsed. And the companion, and his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. And to his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Isn't it interesting that God first told Gideon, he says, okay, it's time, go attack. But now wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're still afraid, go down to the camp, take your friend with you, go down to the camp and just listen. Just listen. 
and he hears what these men are saying outside the camp, that God has already delivered the camp to Gideon, the son of Joash. And it was so that when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation, he worshipped. He worshipped. An important element when it comes over fear is knowing who to worship. He realizes for the first time that he didn't have to be in control of anything. God was in control of everything. And he worshiped and he was strengthened. And he was more than strengthened because what did he do? He runs back to the camp and says, wake up, everybody. It's time to go to battle. I'm pumped. <laughs> and this is what he did. This is what he did. So he goes to these 300 men, and what does he do? He gives them a picture, a clay picture with a torch inside of it. He gave them a shofar. And he says, now, when we get out here in front of this enemy, he says, now, I want all of you to do the same thing that I do. He says, so what am I doing? He said, I'm dividing you up. We're going to be three different camps. This camp is going to be to the north. This camp is going to be to the south. And this other one's going to be to the west. It's going to be right in front of the enemy. And all of you are going to have torches. All of you are going to have pitchers. All of you are going to have shofars. And follow my direction. Do exactly what I do. So when they positioned themselves, the first thing that they did was to blow the shofar. Now, I want you to think about something very carefully here. They are in the valley of Jezreel. There's a hill on both sides. The men of Israel are in the dens and the caves on both sides. Can you imagine what 300 shofars in the, in the valley would sound like? Now, what happened when he blew one shofar? It immediately sent a feather clan's men, if you will, and his group down to him immediately. All the other folks were told to go home. So he's in the valley of Jezreel. They're blowing the shofar, the cry, the battle cry for people to come out of the rocks. And it's a good thing that all these people went home because, see, there's a purpose behind all of this. So then there was the sound of the shofar. That was the breaking of the pictures, the pictures, 300 pictures in the Valley of Jezreel at night being cracked and busted open. Must have sounded like swords clashing against one another. And then all of a sudden the torches come up and then there's the shout that comes out. The sword of the Lord and Gideon, the shout, the echoes. But what's interesting, now think about this. It says that the Lord immediately set the Mennonites and all those armies against one another when they heard the shouts and the cries, because God had already prepared the way. He had already put in the heart of everyone there in that battle, he had already struck them with fear. They had already proclaimed it in the dream. 
They said, Gideon's going to defeat us. They were already a defeated foe. They were already scared. But the interesting thing of this, now think about this. After they had blown the shofar, after they had broken the pictures and they had the torches, if you were on top of that mountain looking down, you would have seen these torches absolutely encompassing the army. There would have been no doubt if you were standing on a hill where the enemy was. You would have seen and known exactly. So now these very same people that God sent home, they had a chance to come back down the hill. And I believe God did this on purpose when he did sent them home because there's a time factor here. The enemy is already coming against itself sword with sword. It will take a few minutes for this thing, this wild stuff, this wild battle to take place within its own camp. If the Israelites had immediately jumped in and done this, the Israel would have got hurt in a lot of ways, I think. But in the way this is accomplished, they came against themselves and they started to flee. They were already fleeing. They were fleeing from their own fear. And then the armies of Israel came down the mountain and chased them. And chased them. It's amazing that Gideon had a shofar, they had a torch, they had the picture, and they had their voice. And the Lord had already put the fear in the hearts of the Midianites. Nothing is impossible with God. How much more was Gideon strengthened when he stood there and watched the hand of God defeat his enemies before his very eyes? Amen. In Psalms, it says, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield, and he will bless those that fear the Lord, both small and great. Let us pray. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for your scriptures. Your scriptures are awesome. They strengthen us. They encourage us. They build us up. Lord, I pray that every man and woman here would be a Gideon, Lord, to overcome our fears, Lord, and just to look at your strength, step in your ways. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all the blessings. Lord, your name be praised forever. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen.